Yeah, I look at it a ton. I'll be honest with you. Probably like my first thing in the morning once I get up is I look at like uh, D3 Datacast. Welcome to a D3 Datacast. I'm Zach Snyder, joined by Matt Snyder, who is sporting the ever popular crew neck sweatshirt featuring that classic D3 Datacast wordmark. Matt, it's looking good. Are you feeling good? As my kids say, it's not a sweatshirt, it's a crew neck. All right, Matt, we're in for our second set of regional rankings this year. We're once again going to go through, give everyone a good look at what to expect. Um, hopefully with some pretty good accuracy. I think we did pretty well last week. We've spent some time going through what we expect for this week. But first, let's let's talk about the top 25. You've got a new ballot due. Could you take, a, take us through it for this week, please? Yeah, let's take a look at what I submitted to d3hoops.com for my top 25 ballot of the week. Um, kind of hanging up top three are pretty uh, constant from last week. Hampton City, Randolph, making John Carroll at the top. Uh, Trinity, Connecticut, and Trinity, Texas come up a little bit. There were some losses that we had that dropped a few teams. Um, Oswego State, Cal Lutheran jumps up into the top 10 for me, I think for the first time maybe. Uh, Guilford, Keene State, and Trine then rounding out the top 10. Um, feeling pretty good about... Kind of those teams as my top 10-ish teams. And then 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, let's say. Maybe 16 through Johns Hopkins. Um, NYU, Case, Platteville, Calvin, Widener, Johns Hopkins. Uh, feeling really solid about those teams kind of in the middle of my ballot as well. From there on, it gets kind of uh, a little bit up in the air. I think a lot of similar teams that I've had in the past um, going on as well. Maybe some 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 turnover at the bottom of my ballot. Back in are Christopher Newport and Emory. And in for maybe the first time all season is Illinois Wesleyan for me. I think they've been playing really well in the CCIW. Got two wins this week, Elmhurst and Carthage. I think, you know, I wouldn't say they're playing as well as anyone in the country right now, but I think as far as the teams that are in the mix from, you know, kind of that 20 to 35 range that we talk about all year, I think for me, Illinois Wesleyan is one of those teams I'm going to try out this week. I think they've been playing very well. Uh, and I think the the, the Titans are have a deserved entry into my ballot here. Uh, and then Emory back at 25. You know, UAA is tough. They've had some tough results. Uh, this week was two wins for them. Um, most of the games they've been in all season have been close. So I, I kind of, I'm betting on Emory uh, in the future to, to maybe perform or outperform how they've performed in the past. You can really appreciate the pairs you have throughout your ballot, Matt. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. You've got the ODAC pair. You've got the Trinity pair. You've got the UAA pair down at 11-12. You've got the American Rivers pair, 19-20. Yeah, for a lot of those, not the American Rivers pair, but for a lot of those, like NYU and Case split a season series. They've both been very competitive in a very strong conference. Hampton, Sydney, Randolph, Macon split a season series. They've both been competitive in a top conference. So sometimes for me, it's a little hard. You know, once you're talking about one, you're pretty much talking about the other, and you're going to pair them up one way or the other. All right, so a top 25 is all well and good, Matt, but... As we know, it's really the regional ranking system that is super important, especially this time of year as it's starting to develop. And then that's what we carry through to make tournament selections and seeding and how the bracket gets set up and everything. So we have our second set of regional rankings. This will be our first set in which we actually get a ranked look at each region. Last week, we found out who was ranked, but it was presented in alphabetical order. Uh, So... Matt, a little, our job becomes a little more difficult this week. It's not just about creating a bucket of teams. We have to not only do that, but we have to start putting them in some sort of order, which we had our own simulated rack call, went through it. And uh, so let's get into it. Unlike last week where we started with Region 10, we showed our whimsy. We're, uh, we're going once again back to 1 through 10 order. Region 1, Matt, take us through it. Yeah, Region 1 ended up being a region for us, I think, uh, similar to last week, was fairly straightforward. I don't think we made a whole lot of flips based on kind of my loose ordering that my computer puts the teams in. Uh, We feel pretty good about Trinity, Connecticut, number one, Tufts, number two, and Williams, number three. I think those fell into place pretty easily for us. And then I think it was more of a discussion with St. Joseph, Albertus Magnus, and Connecticut College. Uh, St. Joseph and Albertus having very similar resumes there as far as winning percentage and strength of schedule. Connecticut College a little bit disparate between those. Um, They have a a lower winning percentage and a higher strength of schedule. Uh, So we had to dive in a little bit. We kind of did a kind of three-team comparison there to kind of separate that order. We knew those three teams were all going to be ranked. We weren't sure what order we wanted to have them in. Um, And then the end of the region, we... 
thought Morrisville State was clearly in still. Uh, we saw them in the alphabetical rankings last week, and we thought Westfield State, Amherst, Worcester State uh, clearly out for us. So, Zach, I don't know if you want to talk us through a little bit what we thought about St. Joseph, Albertus, and Conn College. Yeah, but first, you you briefly touched on it. I just want to help highlight the point here just a little bit about this process, especially for people who have maybe already started making a habit of going to d3datacast.com, clicking on that regional ranking tab and seeing that, you know, there's a presented ranked order for each tab. Uh, Just over the years following this process, also just some of the input that we feel like we got from this previous uh, set last week. you know, you've kind of developed a, a fake rating that does an automatic sorting. And even on that page, you know, I know sometimes people have sent messages wondering why this team is above this team. And there's a disclaimer at the top of the page that says, basically, it's an automated process that does not take into account things like head-to-head or common opponents. So, hey, if someone wants to make a mental adjustment, they're free to do so, right? So uh, while... The rank, regional ranking page on d3datacast.com will show the current accurate, up-to-date winning percentage, strength of schedule, and, you know, note what the regional ranked opponent wins are and what the, the record is for games played against regional ranked opponents. There's not necessarily a sorting mechanism that includes things like head-to-head result and common opponents. So what we did was kind of use that initial fake rating as it's labeled on the site and then tried to look into it a little bit more to see maybe where are those cases where a manual adjustment is necessary, right? So that's kind of the starting point. As you mentioned, we did do a multi-team comparison between Conn College, St. Joseph, Connecticut, and Albertus Magnus. Um, And setting it up that way, Matt, I think we've got a slide here where we we show all three um, in in, you know, not exactly maybe what a committee who's doing a multi-team comparison would be looking at, uh, but just for our own purpose, something that we, that uh, another spreadsheet that you created just to help bring up any head-to-head results and common opponents there. We felt that there wasn't really anything to be gained in terms of common opponents. Uh, all three went 3-0 and against Mitchell, Emmanuel, and Johnson and Wales. Um, yeah, so really what, what we came down to is looking at the interaction between some of the head-to-head uh, head-to-heads that are between the three. Um, all three have not necessarily played each other. Uh, but based on the interaction of the head-to-head that were there, uh, we came out with the order of St. Joseph, Connecticut, Albertus, and Con College. Of course, St. Joseph has beaten Albertus. Albertus has a win over Con College. And so that's kind of how it, it all shook out in our minds. Yeah, and this is this is one the committee could go a different way than we did. I don't think that we're for sure for sure in what we did. You just explained our process. They were close enough that we wanted to compare them all together. Once we cared, compared them all together, we saw that St. Joseph beat Albertus, beat Con College, and then for us that was enough of a, of a factor to kind of order them. Boom, boom, boom. You know, you, the, I could maybe see the committee saying Connecticut College their strength of schedule is so much higher, and that outweighs the the winning percentage and yada, yada, and maybe they're up there. So um, I don't think we're 100% on the order, but I think we feel really, really good about the process we went through and, and that being a reasonable order there in Region 1. All right, moving on to Region 2. <clears throat> region 2 for us, um, uh, Keene State, we saw them take a loss this weekend, but I don't think that's going to cause them too many problems in this region. I think they're n- they're number one uh, for sure there. They have a very similar strength of schedule to Nichols, a better winning percentage, and the regionally ranked opponents jump off the page. They're four and two versus regionally ranked. Nichols is just one and two. Um, but that one and two, I think, should be okay for Nichols. Their strength of schedule will compare favorably to like a Clark Um and then their winning percentage is, is so much higher that I think that they're uh, strong uh, number two in the region. Uh, could have an interesting discussion be- between Clark and WPI. Um, they have, you know, Clark has the lower winning percentage, higher strength of schedule. WPI has the reverse. Uh, but also, but of course, WPI and Clark have played. They're in the same conference. Clark beat WPI twice. That 2-0 and head-to-head is going to be a very significant factor, I feel, in the rankings. And that's going to be an easy, I think, then discussion ender. Uh, when you're trying to kind of compare the resumes, okay, well, if they're close, they've won 2-0, um, they're, Clark's going to be ahead of WPI. 
Um, we, we feel pretty good about Western New England and Brandeis. These are the same six teams that were ranked in the alphabetical ranking, um, similar to Region 1. We feel that these are going to be the same teams in. Um, and then, you know, that discussion, Western New England versus Brandeis, as far as who is five and who is six, uh, there's a strength of schedule gap there, but maybe not so much that it's going to overweigh the winning percentage difference, which is over 100 points, over 130 points or so. Um, I, that's going to be a, bi a big gap there. So Western New England, five, Brandeis, six, probably. You know, this region, we don't see a ton of overwhelming records versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, Brandeis has a win over WashU, who's probably number one or number two in region eight. Um, but we don't also know at this point in the with the alphabetical rankings last week, how much the committee is doing to um, factor in the quality of those regionally ranked wins, or right now if everyone's kind of determined to be equal in regional ranked status after the alphabetical rankings. So about to see there. Um, but I think, yeah, uh, Western New England 5, Brandeis 6 is, is pretty firm, I think. Yeah, Matt, and we even talked a little bit in terms of a head-to-head -head between Brandeis and Western Connecticut a little bit, um, just because they have such different resumes. Um, and and to, just to be clear, as we're coming down to like that last spot in Region Two, it's it's a bunch of bad options. It's just yeah. a matter of what you want to to look at. Um, at least in terms of Brandeis compared to WestCon, it's a big uh, winning percentage outlier with Brandeis, but a big SOS outlier with WestCon. Maybe a head-to-head -head advantage there uh, for Brandeis by way of a win over uh, UMass Dartmouth. Um, but Matt, I think some of the messaging we took away from the first regional rankings is when in doubt go SOS, which is certainly in Brandeis's favor. Yeah, especially when you're talking about a really low SOS, Western Connecticut, 451, a non-conference strength of schedule. If we want to look at secondary criteria, only 358. To me, it doesn't really look like Western Connecticut tried to do a whole lot outside of um, outside of their conference. They're just one and two versus regionally ranked opponents. That's a good win against Keene State, but I don't think that resume is getting the benefit of the doubt um, You know, with that low strength of schedule and that low of a non-conference strength of schedule if they choose to look at that. And in terms of Endicott there with Brandeis, I mean, it's just, it's not that big of a winning percentage difference that I think it's pretty clear that the strength of schedule advantage that Brandeis would have would have them over Endicott. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. All right. Yeah. Region three. Uh, region three. Uh, Oswego State looks really strong at the top. I don't think there's any conversation there. Um, I think they're seven and one versus regionally ranked opponents right now. That's going to be very strong for Oswego State. Uh, Hobart, we went with number two. Uh, they look kind of strong across the board, four and two versus region ranked opponents. That's going to be very strong there. Um, then we had a little bit of a discussion. We have two Liberty League teams, uh, two additional Liberty League teams after R after Hobart in RPI and St. Lawrence. Um, they have those kind of mid to upper 600 winning percentages with 550-ish SOSs. So not really good winning percentage, but good strength of schedule. And then you have like, maybe the Empire 8 teams on here, like Utica and Nazareth, who their winning percentages are a lot better, but their strength of schedules are below 500, not great. So where do these two pairs of teams maybe stack up with one another? That's a conversation. We ultimately went with the RPI St. Lawrence mix. We went with the higher strength of schedule. Again, when in doubt, go strength of schedule. Um, but, you know, we thought, first of all, RPI has beaten St. Lawrence. So that probably puts in a close conversation, RPI above. Um, they also have, RPI also has the additional regionally ranked win. They've beaten Hobart and St. Lawrence. So that's two regionally ranked wins. Those are higher quality than maybe anything the other teams have. Um, and, and really, you know, one regionally ranked win and low strength of schedules now talking about the Empire 8 teams, Utica and Nazareth. These are not really resumes we've seen the committee's jump on, be super high on. So we think that they'll be toward the bottom. Uh, Farmingdale kind of splitting the difference there with the really high winning percentage and, and, and fairly low strength of schedule. Um, but really that strength of schedule does not really get out of range of a team like Utica. So ultimately, as you can see, what we decided on was RPI St. Lawrence to kind of round out maybe the top half. Then we went Farmingdale, Utica, and Nazareth to end. Uh, SUNY New Paltz being just on the outside of the rankings. We had an interesting discussion just how to deal with Farmingdale with that strength of schedule. Um, and while this is what we came up with, I think, Matt, one of the scenarios we talked about is is actually like maybe Nazareth preferable because of there being a little bit more balance to that resume. Um, you know, there's still the winning percentage gap, but a 494, while still under 500, is much better than a 466. And where things really get interesting is because if you feel like Nazareth 
is a more palatable resume over Farmingdale State, then maybe you also have to look at New yep. Paltz, who has a resume that looks very similar to Nazareth. So ultimately, we we thought you know Farmingdale with that with that winning percentage would be okay. But if you start at looking at where maybe if a different decision would would be made, then there could be some cascading effects that are just that go beyond just like you know flipping two places within the regional rankings. Yeah, if the committee does decide 466, the lowest strength of schedule kind of of these teams in the mix, maybe Farmingdale's just out and New Paltz slides in. Um, I don't think that's what's going to happen. We saw Farmingdale was ranked in this region in the alphabetical, but you're right. The the committee could absolutely maybe choose to do something like that. And if that ha- if that happens, that slides Utica up, Nazareth up, and probably New Paltz up and, and Farmingdale just out. But but I, I'm, I'm doubting that's going to be what we see. But also just to point out what, you know, from what could have changed a week ago, of course, last week being the first regional rankings, there's no regionally ranked opponents to consider that, you know, that primary uh, criteria area just didn't exist. It does now. Not that there's a lot to be gained here, but Farmingdale is still zero yeah. and zero. Uh, whereas Utica, Nazareth, New Paltz, and even Brockport for that matter, do have at least one win against a regionally ranked opponent. Yep. Yep. That'll... So a little bit of a different dynamic. You're right. Farmingdale State was in last week, but... You know, everything, the criteria changes, morphs, shifts from week to week. So it's just interesting, even though we ultimately decided to keep Farmingdale State there in the five spot, just some interesting things that we'll be looking for when we see the actual regional ranks rankings released on Tuesday afternoon. And that sort of thing is going to give us a ton of information this week. Last week, all we really knew was who was in and who was out. So we could only learned so much about what the committee was valuing. Also, we didn't have those regionally ranked opponents. We do have those now, and now we know every single case of when they preferred one team to another. So we will learn a whole lot about what these committees, these racks and the national committee are valuing. We also get the top 16 reveal coming up on Thursday this week. So we'll get these rankings, how they are in order, and then also somewhat how the kind of the tops of the regions stack up against one another. So this is probably like the most meaningful regional rankings as far as learning what the committee is valuing. And we'll get to see that this week. All right. On to region four, Matt, where we have another interesting thing to talk about as we get kind of in the middle of that region. Yeah. I don't even remember what the interesting thing was. So I'm, I'm looking forward to you informing me when we get there. Um, NYU at the top, I think that's going to be fairly clear. Um, Rowan behind them, uh, you know, not too much of a separation, but I think a significant separation there. Rowan is, I think, is definitely behind uh, NYU. Then we went with the pair of DeSales and Stevens in the Mac Freedom. Um, I think DeSales was kind of clearly third. Mac Freedom of Stevens was fourth. And uh, I think an interesting question there between Stevens and Stockton that we had. Yeah, that's was, what I was getting at. Okay. Finish out and we'll talk about it. Yeah, the, uh, strength of schedule there. And then we ended up with Ramapo and TCNJ. We ultimately decided to go away from Penn State Harrisburg, who we did see ranked in the alphabetical rankings. But you can see their strength of schedule is still the lowest of really anyone who's viable in this region at 490. Uh, they do have an 875 winning percentage, which is significant, but they're 0-2 versus regionally ranked. I think that's really going to hurt them compared to most of the teams who have two, three, four regionally ranked wins in this mix. So we went away from Penn State, Harrisburg. Um, they could find their way in for sure, but uh, for right now, just looking at the t- totality of resumes, even though they have the 875 winning percentage, that's really all they're hanging their hat on right now. And the interesting thing to consider, Matt, is is what we talked about as we were setting this up, we had a discussion about Stockton and Stevens and whether or not at this point, the committee will be trying to determine any differentiation between regionally ranked wins and their quality. Because as we've said, this is going to be the first time we actually see rankings within a region uh, because last week was, was presented alphabetical. Now, because they are made public alphabetical, doesn't necessarily mean that the you know the racks have some sort of preference order or the other way that you could could think about it is while they may, while some of these teams may not have a ranking within their their region you could at least look at Stevens and say okay their their best win was Hood and you know Hood's profile is this mm-hmm. Stockton has a win over Keene State look at Keene State and say, okay, their profile is this. And so you could determine some sort of quality between them. We don't know if at this point the committee is willing to do that or if that's going to be another week when they can start saying, yes, they have a win over a number one ranked team, which we expect, you know, Keene State 
would be. Or, um, you know, so ultimately we left Stevens ahead of Stockton, but if there is some sort of determination of, of how quality those RROs are, that could be something that's in Stockton's favor. Yes. Stockton, of course, having the win over Keene State, two wins over Rowan. Those are three wins over a one or probably a two in a region. That's going to that's gonna be a very strong factor in Stockton's favor if we're looking at that. So if we are definitely weighing into those quality of regionally ranked opponents, I think that boosts Stockton's resume more than it does Steven's resume. And I could, I could very easily see a scenario in which we see uh, DeSales, then Stockton, then Stevens, probably still staying above Ramapo, but we could see a flip there between Stockton and Stevens. So that'll definitely be one to watch when we see the regional rankings, region four, what's the exact order, and might again indicate maybe what they were looking at uh, as far as quality of regionally ranked. We, we see Stockton has more wins, four and four versus two and three. So just off the bat, that's going to be better. But we think really diving into the quality is really what will set Stockton apart if they choose to go there. Region five. All right, moving ahead to region five, which is just like region four geographically, just a little bit more different. And so that's why you have region five. Uh, so uh, top teams here are Widener, Catholic, and Hood. I think we felt very solid about those in that order. We didn't have too many discussions about um, changing anything there. I think that all looks very straightforward when you just look at the numbers. Um, then we had a very interesting conversation about Eastern and then kind of the trio of Centennial Conference teams. Uh, Eastern has a 682 winning percentage, a 598 strength of schedule, two and six versus regionally ranked. Then we have Hopkins, 783, 550. Gettysburg, 739 winning percentage, 515. And then a very similar resume to Franklin and Marshall, 739 winning percentage, 518. Um, so we kind of went round and round and round and round and round and round on this. Um, Zach, I don't know if you have any notes about what our conversation was like there. Yeah. Well, you're right. We get come to that trio. Um, but if you look at the winning percentage and the strength of schedule numbers, uh, you, know, you get to the RRO category, and they're pretty samey. But just in terms of winning percentage and strength of schedule, Johns Hopkins has a clear advantage in both of those categories. So we were comfortable taking them. Um which was good for Hopkins and bad for Gettysburg because Gettysburg has a sweep of Johns Hopkins. But because of those clear advantages that Johns Hopkins has, we, we slotted them in and, did, and, and avoided that direct comparison between Johns Hopkins and Gettysburg that uh, really would have helped Gettysburg. Uh, but the other interesting dynamic here is if we were going to do a direct comparison with Hopkins and Gettysburg, we would also have to bring in Franklin and Marshall to the mix because of the, their similarity in resume yeah. to Gettysburg. And so that would really negate the Gettysburg advantage anyway, because then with those three teams, you've got a triangle where, um, you know, like Gettysburg beat Hopkins, who beat Franklin and Marshall, right? So it kind of all comes out in a wash anyway. So the, just sometimes the way situations work out is sort of like bad luck for a, for a team. And I think that's maybe the way it's playing out with Gettysburg. Um, you know, they would probably love a direct comparison with Hopkins, but for one reason or another, either Hopkins is just too far ahead or there's Franklin and Marshall nipping at the heels as well. That would bring him in and set up this kind of triangle of death that negates a Gettysburg advantage anyway. So, I mean, in our process, we had Hopkins. So that really set up a direct comparison between Gettysburg and Franklin and Marshall for those last two spots. Well, and I guess you could even bring in Swarthmore, but Swarthmore was a clear... Um, you know, just below the cut line and that that left Gettysburg and Franklin and Marshall for those last two spots, which uh, ended up with Gettysburg ahead of F&M. Yeah, really, I think it really came down to. You, you, there's no way you can compare Hopkins with, like you said, without Franklin and Marshall bringing it into the mix. So those three teams, they've all, you know, one's two and Hopkins is two and oh against Franklin and Marshall is two and oh against Gettysburg, who's two and oh against Johns Hopkins, it just goes round and round. So um, Hopkins having the clear winning percentage and strength of schedule advantage, I think that became an easy decision that they're on top of the trio. And then we just had to compare them to Eastern for who did we want on top of, of um, that group. We ultimately went with Eastern. Um, I don't think either of us were very, very for sure comfortable about that. Um, Eastern only at 682 winning percentage, 598 strength of schedule versus Hopkins kind of having a more solidly even resume, seven. 83 winning percentage, 550 strength of schedule, um, two and six versus regionally ranked, three and five versus regionally ranked. That's maybe a slight advantage for Hopkins. Um, 
But again, know, in terms, you know, we talked in the with Region Four. If there's any sort of quality of RRO being taken into yes. account, you know, Eastern's win over Hood would be the best of that bunch there. Right. So maybe and, that you know, evens and, out and the point and the point oh four eight advantage for Eastern in terms of strength of schedule, I think, is from what we've already seen from the committee in last week's rankings, is significant. Yes. That seems significant. So we went with the, with that factor. I wouldn't be be shocked to see Hopkins four and maybe Eastern five. Um, I don't think Eastern probably falls below Gettysburg, but you know any any kind of order of those two teams, I think it is okay there. But I think we did determine, you know, because it immediately stuck out to us, hey, Gettysburg's two and zero against Johns Hopkins. But we kind of through the process, I think the biggest thing we learned in Region Five is it kind of doesn't matter in the way that this region stacks up. Well, and from messaging we heard after last week's uh, last week's um, release right is that sometimes we were maybe too quick to look directly for the head-to-heads where it doesn't all work out where it's a head-to-head comparison sometimes there's a multi-team situation and that's i think we were very intentional about trying to look for maybe where those three or four team comparisons might be and like we mentioned if you if you are doing that here with those centennial teams it shows just how gettysburg sweep over uh, Johns Hopkins gets negated by just all the other results that we've seen in in the at the top of the centennial. Well, and it's not completely bad luck, right? They they could have beaten Franklin and Marshall once, and well, they, sure. they didn't. So, um, you know, they had they had a chance to do that. All right, Region Six. Um, and I think right off we couldn't. It was difficult to make a decision at the top of this region: Randolph, Macon, and Hampton, Sydney. Um, they're going to be one, two, two, one in some order. We went with Randolph Macon, um, higher strength of schedule at this point, more wins versus regionally ranked. I guess that's an additional win and an additional loss versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, not really any strong common opponent difference that we can find. Uh, they've split the season series. So it's really just a, a conversation of, you know, 43 points of winning percentage versus, whatever it is, 20 points of strength 20. of schedule, um, maybe an additional regionally ranked win. I don't know. We ended up with Randolph-Macon. I could see them going Hampton-Sydney. Um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. These are maybe the top two, two of the top resumes in the entire country. When we see the top 16 reveal, these are going to be like one and two or one, two and three. They're going to be in that mix somewhere. So uh, they're both at the top, both hosting resumes. It'll be interesting to see the exact order this week. Um we felt strongly about Guilford staying third, uh, Virginia Wesleyan coming in fourth, even though we saw Virginia Wesleyan beat Guilford this week. I think that was just to even up the season series. So I think they're one and one with each other. So again, you're just trying to figure out like what's where are you tipping the scales on winning percentage and strength of schedule. Uh, for me, Guilford having, you know, looking like the better winning percentage and a still very solid strength of schedule, I would put them ahead. Um, again, is there a world where that flips? Probably. Um, but I think I'm okay with Guilford, then Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, Christopher Newport, probably a solid five here. Um, good winning percentage, good strength of schedule. They've also, uh, do they have a head-to-head loss to Virginia Wesleyan? They, that maybe they lost to Virginia here. Wesleyan. Yeah, the oh, loss yeah, so to Virginia Wesleyan, Wesleyan makes yeah. it very easy just to slot them in <clears> as, a, as a number five behind that top four and then ahead of what we're going to see for the you know six, seven and beyond. And then as was the case last week, um, I think the bottom of this region has some interesting conversations. We ended up jumping Emory into the rankings. I think we did not see them in the rankings last week in the alphabetical. They had two wins this week. So now you can see uh, uh, comparing them to a team like Roanoke, who was ranked last week. Winning percentage is now dead even. Uh, Roanoke still has a strength of schedule advantage by 20 points. Uh, but Emory's really going to shine on their uh, results versus regionally ranked in this comparison. Six and six, Roanoke just two and six. Um, also, if you want to fold in Mary Washington in this discussion right here, Mary Washington's only two and seven. You know, you see Washington and Lee two and six down there. Um, so Emory having kind of that there even with other ranked teams around the country, I think that's going to uh, bode well in their favor. Um, if you look at the, t- the two teams that we did not rank, Mary Wash and Washington and Lee, you really see that the resumes are kind of the same as Emory and Roanoke, just a little bit worse. And you never want to be the team that has, you know, you're just another version of Roanoke, but you're not quite as good. Uh, that that just you just take the, the team with the better resume right there. Uh, and then unfortunately for Maryville, Tennessee, um, you know, they're not going to have the strength of schedule to compete. They're not going to have any positive results versus regionally ranked opponents. We didn't see them ranked last week. I don't think we're going to see them ranked this week. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the most difficult decisions come where you, when you're at the bottom of a region there, you got to pick who's going to be in, who's going to be out, and you're dealing with like opposite ends of the spectrum resumes. But as it worked out here, we had basically four teams that are all grouped together, all very similar kind of like mid 600s winning percentage with but with very strong yeah. strength of schedule. So it's just like, okay, who are the two that have the best strength of schedule? They were the easy picks. And then it was just a matter of picking uh, you know, what, what differences are there between Emory and Roanoke and certainly the results versus regionally ranked opponents stand out. So yeah. I, th I think actually, you know, we talk, you know, region six, one of the best regions there, there that's out there, uh, deservedly so, but it's, but I feel like, you know, maybe you could, you could come up with some arguments to flip a team or two, but it's all within one spot. And I feel like, you know, there's a pretty well-placed hierarchy developing here in region six yeah which matt as we move on to region seven i think is the case in region seven as well another really deep region however i don't think that overall we're seeing a depth in terms of solid like ncaa criteria resumes that we saw last year in region seven getting to like you know eighth ninth just outside the regional rankings i don't think we have that same situation here um this season so it's like a, maybe a still a deep region but in a different way like it's just good teams but don't necessarily have like solid looking resumes like we saw a year ago but take us through it i think i think there's a pretty easy you know slotting system for how region seven is developing yeah i think just at least starting at the top john carroll i think is an easy number one nine fifty seven winning percentage 573 strength of schedule uh, five and one versus regionally ranked that's very strong uh, Case Western, I think, is an easy it's number two, 818, 581, eight and three versus regionally ranked. That's a great uh, number versus regionally ranked opponents. And we're going to start seeing Case when we start figuring um, ranked opponent quality. They've beaten NYU, who might be a number one, Oswego State, who might be a number one, Wash U, who might be a number one. That's going to, I think, um, really count very well in their favor. I don't think even this week it will overcome John Carroll with their advantage, you know, very similar-ish strength of schedule and a very big advantage in the win percentage for John Carroll. Uh, but, you know, that's that'll be strong for Case down the stretch. Um, I think there's, uh, at this point, maybe a little bit of a gap uh, to Trine, who's going to be, I think, a solid three, but, you know, not really being encroached upon by Calvin at this point. We're going to see them maybe play this week, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, but Trine three. And then we went Calvin four, but I think it's at this point where we need to start having the Carnegie Mellon discussion in the region. So Calvin was 875 38. Carnegie Mellon only has a 636 winning percentage, but they have a 600 strength of schedule, which does stand out at this point in region seven. Once you get past the top two, you still have very good strength of schedules from, from trying down to hope, let's say, but they're more mid 500s. Carnegie Mellon coming in at 600, um, I think, you know, raises some eyebrows. Also, they're six and four versus regionally ranked, and they have some very good quality. Uh, as far as some maybe top-notch wins versus region-ranked opponents, uh, teams that will rank number one or number two in their region. So I think Carnegie Mellon, um, you know, the winning percentage doesn't strike you as all that strong, but their strength of schedule, their regionally-ranked opponent results, I think, are very good. So there's, is there a world maybe in which they're above Calvin? I don't know. Um, I think if if not, I think they slide slot in right behind them and probably above Mount Union at that at this point, uh, even given Mount Union's significant like 150 point advantage in winning percentage. Uh, it's just again for uh, a, a lot of regionally ranked opponent results for Carnegie Mellon and 50 additional po points of strength of schedule. Uh, we're gonna have to figure out where Carnegie Mellon slots in. Um, I guess I shouldn't say it's definitely above Mount Union. I think it probably is. Uh, I could see them anywhere as one spot above Calvin to one spot below Mount Union, but I think they probably do stay above hope. All right. And this is what we were, we were talking about. Ultimately we decided maybe, maybe the strength of schedule and the, and the RROs are enough for them to overcome 150 point gap in winning percentage. But then as we are talking about like, well, do they get in over Calvin? And then we're talking about making up 230 points of winning percentage yeah. gap. And like you said, maybe it happens. I don't think we would be shocked to see it happen, but for us as we were trying to, to, to put together regional ranking predictions, that felt like going too far. Yeah. Um, but you know, still, having them ahead of Mount Union, we feel like we're giving them a significant amount of credit to overcome a 150-point gap. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I think you know, 
despite the 636 winning percentage, I think it's clear that Carnegie Mellon will get ranked this week. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of we'll see, um, you know, how high it is. Yeah, for sure. For sure, they're getting ranked. Uh, I think it would be extreme for them to be above Calvin. But then again, my computer fake rating put them that high. Um, I think I maybe overcorrected after the first set of regional rankings, or the alphabetical regional rankings, and maybe tuned it a little bit too high toward the strength of schedule. Maybe I'm still a little bit too high in the credit I'm giving teams for regionally ranked wins or quality of regionally ranked wins. We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they ended up very, very competitive with Calvin, which surprised me. Um, that would also really surprise me for kind of like the pool C at large mix. So, um, I I'm betting that they are, are behind our Calvin Knights there. Uh, but it will be very interesting to see. This is another thing to watch that I'll be looking for right away is where does Carnegie Mellon slot in? I think we'll learn a lot about the committees, the region seven committee and the national committee about where that, for that finally ends up. Um, I should also note in this region, we saw Marietta in the alphabetical rankings. They had a little bit of a tough week. I think they have fallen kind of completely out of the ranking picture at this point. Um, if you wanted to pick a, the next teams, it might be like St. Vincent or Otterbein or Worcester or something like that. I think, I think it's not really Marietta in the mix anymore. There we go. It's region seven. All right, Matt, region eight. This is a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Region region eight. Again, it's just so surprising that region eight drops off in quality. So, so fast. Um, we have wash U staying, uh, number one. Well, I guess not staying. We didn't really know the, the last week was alphabetical. So we don't really know. Um, we're, we're, we're putting them number one this week, uh, a very similar winning percentage to Illinois Wesleyan, uh, an advantage there, uh, slim advantage for Illinois Wesleyan, um, a significant strength of schedule gap for Wash U, 597 versus 547. So that's a big, uh, big advantage in Wash U's favor. Uh, regionally ranked opponents, though, tells a different story. Two and five for Wash U, a win over maybe a number one case. Illinois Wesleyan has uh, five wins and three losses against regionally ranked opponents, a win versus Wash U, who's maybe a number one or maybe a number two. Um, they've also beaten Elmhurst, who's next on this list here. So I think that's an advantage for Illinois Wesleyan. I think you definitely have the conversation. I know there was a conversation going on on Sunday night on Twitter about who would be ranked number one in this region. For me, uh, I think I would go right now with Wash U, but I think the committee is going to have that discussion. I would not be completely shocked to see Illinois Wesleyan one, Wash U two. Um, but, um, you know, I think, I, I don't think that's what we're going to go this week. It's also interesting if you compare maybe these numbers to what we saw a slide ago, like Illinois Wesleyan is what, like fifth or sixth, maybe in region seven. Um, so just an interesting comparison, a, a, te a team in a region who's maybe having a discussion to be number one in the region and where they would slot in, uh, you know, region seven or region six is, is a very different spot. Uh, then we uh, went kind of going down the list a little further. Sorry to jump in back, back in on you, Zach. Uh, we went Elmhurst, I think, is a solid number three. Uh, and then it gets a, it gets a really messy around number four. Uh, we went with Wisconsin Lutheran and then Carthage. We jumped St. Norbert into the rankings, um, just one spot above Anderson. And then we had Chicago fall out of our rankings, despite having uh, what what's left with a pretty good strength of schedule, 539 and you know, one of the better results versus regionally ranked at three of three and four. Yeah. Just going back to the top. I feel like these are the cases that are really hard because just intuitively as a fan, when there's a head to head advantage in play here, it, it feels like the default should always be to, to go with that team. Um, but I, I think like you said, I, I could see this going either way. We talked about it. I don't think we would be, surprised either way i don't think there's a clear answer necessarily that's why i say like intuitively it always feels like the head-to-head -head should allow yeah. things to 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 settle out but again these are not our regional rankings we what we are doing is trying to predict what the committee will do and some of the signaling that we feel like we've received in in from either past committees or what we've seen so far is that 50 points of strength of schedule difference is significant um very significant, yeah. Very significant, right? So, does any does Illinois Wesleyan's RRO difference is it is that as significant of a difference versus the strength of schedule difference? I don't know. Certainly, the head to head, you either have it or you don't, and Illinois Wesleyan has it, um, so you feel like that's significant. But again, fifty point strength of schedule difference, we know the way that's been valued. So I think yeah. 
you know, go back to it. We've said, when in doubt, go strength the schedule. I think there's enough here to be in doubt, and so that's the way we're going to go now. But it could be that Illinois Wesleyan is first yeah. um, when we see the rankings, and I don't think that's undeserved. I, you know, I don't think we would be shocked either way. Yeah. Um, a couple of other comparisons, maybe just of interest in Region Eight. Uh, Saint Norbert does have a head-to-head win over Wisconsin Lutheran. Uh, we did not jump them above Wisconsin Lutheran. We saw that last week even. Um, Wisconsin Lutheran was ranked and St. Norbert wasn't ranked and they both had similar numbers to maybe where they were last year or last week and maybe moved in the same direction. Um, we have St. Norbert above Anderson. Their resumes, winning percentage and strength of schedule wise are very similar, but St. Norbert having that one win versus regionally ranked, I think helps them uh, significantly there and boost them above Anderson. Uh, Chicago fell out, even though they have the better strength of schedule. I think 591, we're talking about significant gaps in um, in winning percent or yeah, in winning percentage there. So we'll have to see, but like, you know, you could have a, a Carthage versus Chicago discussion. I don't know if we have direct like common opponents or whatever there. Um, I know they both lost to Illinois Wesleyan, for example. So we'll see. It wouldn't be completely surprised if Chicago finds their way into this region, uh, maybe above an Anderson or whatnot. But it, this is just a really difficult region to gauge just because we have resumes that are very different from each other. Um, and, and not really a lot of quality to bank on. So you're making a lot of decision about very marginal resumes. Yeah. Chicago will be an interesting to watch team to watch. Um, you know, going back to what we talked about in region seven, it's not the Carnegie resume, right? Because Chicago doesn't have as good of a winning percentage, doesn't have as good of a strength of schedule, but of course you're looking at Carnegie Mellon in the context of region seven, the Chicago resume, while not on the level of Carnegie Mellon, they're only competing in the context of region eight. So a 539 in the grand scheme of things is not remarkable, but when you're talking about four, you know, strength of schedules in the four sixties here at the bottom of region eight, well, suddenly a 539 looks pretty amazing. Really good. Yeah. Now we're still talking what 230. Again, this is what we talked about with, with Carnegie, right? 230 points Mm -hmm. of winning percentage. Is that enough to overcome? Well, at this point, probably not, but a couple wins by Chicago and suddenly yeah. They're, they're right back in the mix. Yeah, we could get the whole bottom of this region completely wrong and in a, in a, in a wrong order. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this comes out. Well, as we talked about it, Matt, we, we talked about Carthage having an observed advantage once we, you know, we saw how the regional rankings came out last week. Carthage was in, so we took into account that, okay, clearly in that picture, Carthage had an advantage, whether, you know, um, you know, we don't know exactly how those discussions played out. Uh, so we, we slotted them in fifth and then it just came a decision for those, those last spots with St. Norbert and Anderson. However, Matt, as you, as we were discussing it and you noted Carthage's winning percentage advantage, uh, shrunk. Yeah. Right. So this is week by week, the situation changes a little bit and, you know, maybe the, uh, the advantage we observed by Carthage getting in last week shrunk enough where sometime, you know, those decisions this time around get changed. I don't know that that happens. I think I'm pretty comfortable with what we have here, but we'll see. This is why it'll be interesting to, to finally get to see how they actually come out in ranked order as opposed to just in one bucket of seven teams. Exactly. Yep. Okay. That brings us to region nine. Um, I think slam dunk at the top for right now is still UW Platteville. Um, I think we felt pretty good about Nebraska Wesleyan number two. Um, you get into a little bit of a mess with a lot of the American Rivers teams. They've kind of beaten each other. But for, for right now, Nebraska Wesleyan is 2-0 and versus Coe. Uh, so we took them second. We took Coe third. And then Dubuque fourth. Dubuque uh, or Coe above Dubuque based on the 1-0 and head-to-head there. Largely, I'm kind of hand-waving a lot of discussion we had right there. Um, but that kind of set the top four. And then we thought there was a big enough kind of gap between maybe Dubuque and the rest of the teams that we didn't need to consider Loris and Central at the same time as Dubuque and Co. and Nebraska Wesleyans. We weren't going to do a multi-compare and bring Loris in because Loris has, let's say, beaten Nebraska Wesleyan twice. Um, Central has a win over Dubuque and a win over Co. and a win over Loris. Like, so we decided after Dubuque, there was a big enough gap there that those other teams were not going to be compared at the same time. That's one way we handled this. We did have a big, long discussion about Bethany Lutheran, Loris, and Central in particular, and we also did fold St. John's into that discussion 
um, as well. We didn't feel like Illinois College or Carleton or anyone else in the region was really competitive at the end of the day. Um, so where we landed on was Bethany Lutheran fifth, a really good 870 winning percentage, a, a very mild 504 strength of the schedule, two and one versus regionally ranked. They do have a win over Central, which is maybe relevant if we're looking at kind of these next two teams. Um, we figured Loris second, 826 winning percentage, 502 strength of schedule, so very in line with Bethany Lutheran there. Um, they have a, a much better record versus regionally ranked opponents, five and three, so that's going to stand out. Um, if the committee for them ever looks at the secondary criteria, that's just a 392 non-conference strength of schedule, though. So uh, we were wondering if maybe Loris wouldn't get a great benefit of the doubt because they didn't really schedule outside of conference, although their conference does provide them plenty of challenge and plenty of ability to rack up some of those regionally ranked wins like they have, and they've taken advantage of that. So so credit to Loris for that. Uh, and then we ended up Central 7th, um, just a 682 winning percentage, but a 562 strength of schedule. So again, we had to have that you know, how does this weigh in factor with between Loris and Bethany Lutheran and stronger winning percentages and lower strength of schedules? I think we're all sick of that discussion, but we have to have it multiple times per region. Um, Central is three and five versus regionally ranked. A good win against Coe, a Dubuque, and then one head-to-head -head versus Loris, but that was a split, uh, Central and Loris split. So I don't think that's a, an overwhelming factor there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the American Rivers, we've talked about it throughout the year. That conference race is impossible to pick I don't know who the favorite is. It probably changes week by week. But as we went through this process, it was interesting to see how we didn't really have to worry about that muddled mix of five teams. Um, because as you mentioned, like Nebraska Wesleyan, when you look at the winning percentage, you look at the strength of schedule, you look at the RROs, you know, it's at least kind of in the, in the same ballpark as everyone there uh, in the RRO category. But the with the 870 winning percentage, you know, is is like at the top end of the group, the 531 strength of schedule is certainly competitive with the rest of the group. So Nebraska Wesleyan kind of stood out as a number two there behind Platteville. And then with the balance between winning percentage and strength of schedule for Cohen Dubuque, they stood out from, you know, that Loris central group. Right. So at that point, you know, all we had to do was compare Coe and Dubuque for those, you know, three and four spots. So I tell you what, in terms of the conference race, it, it, that's going to be a great conference tournament because you got yeah. five legitimate contenders there um and really five teams that are probably worthy of making it to the ncaa tournament we'll see if all five can get in but as this process played out we didn't really have to deal with them as one big muddled mix it it sorted out pretty nicely um you mentioned st john's i think they still loom in this process they have a a resume that's more balanced than some of those other ones that we talked about for those last three spots in this region but there's nothing that really stands out as a reason to be drawn to them. Um, but they're, they're definitely looming in this process. Uh, Matt, I think this is one where we, we clipped another snapshot just for the multi-team comparison as we talked about Laura Central and Bethany Lutheran just to, to help uh, bring the picture into view there. Um, as you said, Bethany Lutheran does have the head-to-head -head over Central uh, and Central and Laura split. You look at the common opponents there, they've all played Wartburg and Simpson. Um, but that's an area where maybe Bethany Lutheran doesn't look quite as good. They, they're one and one there. Uh, Loris three and one and central four and oh. So it's, it's a little bit of a take your pick triangle here with these three. I think you could throw these three in a hat, pick out a name and you know what? You might be right. Uh, not a lot separating them. You, you have the, the disparate resumes there with Bethany Lutheran standing out in terms of winning percentage. You've got Central standing out in terms of strength of schedule. You have Loris standing out in terms of the record versus regionally ranked opponents. I yeah. don't know. And then you have St. John's kind of in the middle of everyone in everything. Um, yeah, there's still a world in which St. John's, I think, gets ranked. We just felt like that their resume was maybe more blah, whereas the other teams were maybe winning a discussion. But yeah, I think I think I think you could see anything from, you know, St. John's being in and Bethany Lutheran being all the way out, even though we have them fifth. Um, you know, just because you have to rank a team one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, that doesn't mean there's always a big gap between those teams. I think for us here, between five and eight, they're very tight. Bethany, Lutheran, Loris, Central, St. John's, they're all very tight. There wasn't a big gap for us. So almost any order that the committee comes with, I think was something that'll make sense. And if we see Bethany Lutheran, let's say, be all the way out, I don't know. It's it's because 
you know, we got things so wrong. It's just that we were trying to make tight decisions and the committee has made a slightly different tight decision between all those teams for it than we did. Right. And St. John's may be out this week, but hey, this is week two snapshot in time. Yeah. You know, if they if they keep win, if they win and let's say Loris stumbles and suddenly that winning percentage doesn't look quite as good for Loris. Well, you could see a situation very easily with St. John's looming there that St. John's works their way in. Um, so they're definitely in that mix, even though we felt like they didn't quite compete with the data we have available today. Yeah, if you win and another team loses, you might pass that team. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, one more region to go here, Matt. Here is region 10. I feel like this is another one. We had a few discussions we'll go through, but you know, it kind of slots through fairly nicely. Yeah, a Trinity Texas hung on to beat Colorado College on Sunday. That maybe would have changed the order at the top, but I think as of right now, they are number one in this region, and Cal Lutheran is number two. Both of these teams look very strong, both in the winning percentage and strength of schedule uh, and regionally ranked opponents' nature. So they're, uh, they're all teams that will kind of compete nationally. They're all teams that we could see in that top 16 reveal. Uh, well, all. They're both teams that we could see in the top 16. Um, they're kind of... I think Trinity, Texas, for sure, maybe right now, seems like they could be in that mix. Cal Lutheran is right in there as well. So I could we could see both those teams. Um, then we had a little bit of a discussion about who should be two, but I think we were very comfortable, or sorry, who should be three, but we were very comfortable with Pomona Pitzer at the end of the day. 750 winning percentage shakes out well with the rest of the teams kind of maybe on the board or in the discussion. And then the 557 winning uh, strength of schedule was kind of tops of that as well. So you have one of the better yeah, winning percentages in a, in a strength of schedule that stands out. Just one in four versus regionally ranked. But, you know, to be honest, we don't see a ton of regionally ranked wins remaining. Um, you maybe don't want to see one win versus four losses, maybe when compared to maybe a St. Thomas who's 2-0 and right now. Uh, but still, they, they do have a win, and I think the, the, the strength of schedule is going to carry that resume. So we were comfortable keeping Pomona Pitzer uh, third. Then we had a little bit of a trio discussion. St. Thomas, uh, Claremont Mudscripts, and Hardin-Simmons, we weren't quite sure of the order, all have kind of these middle 770-ish uh, strength of schedules and kind of low 500, or sorry, low middle 770s winning percentage and kind of low-ish 500 um, strength of schedule. So we wanted to do a kind of triple comparison here. And I think we have a slide for this one, Zach, that we can bring up. Um, so this was our discussion here. You can see that Hardin uh, Simmons has played St. Thomas. They lost. Claremont Mudscripts did not play either of these teams head-to-head. -head, and St. Thomas had the win over Hardin Simmons. So um, one thing that we discussed, we're not quite sure how the committee handles the situation. If they bring up three teams that they want to compare together and they feel like they need to discuss together because they can't separate, um, would a single head-to-head -head like St. Thomas over Hardin-Simmons really factor that much? Or since Claremont Mud Scripps isn't involved, would they not really consider that in kind of comparing three teams in a multi-comparison setting? So um, I think we intuitively feel like that should kind of help slot St. Thomas above Hardin-Simmons, even though Claremont is not really in that discussion. Um, but that's that's one thing that we don't really know how the committees factor that. Do they make sure that any head-to-head -head is with all teams involved, or do they do any any head-to-head uh, -head that might be relevant among any teams involved? We're not quite sure. The other advantage for St. Thomas being the common opponent, all three of these teams did play Trinity, Texas, with St. Thomas being the only one to get a win out of that. Uh, Trinity beat CMS and beat Hardin-Simmons. So that is ultimately how we ended up with St. Thomas in that four spot. Um, and then you, you know, that turns it into a head to head between CMS and Harden Simmons and a little more in favor of Claremont Mud Scripts there. Yeah, even though Harden Simmons had the winning percentage uh, advantage, um, two and three versus regionally ranked versus 0 and two, you know, it's never good to have zero wins versus regionally ranked. Um, if they're looking at quality, Cal Lou and Pomona Pitts are both very strong, particularly Cal Lou going to be number one or number two in this region. So Claremont Mud Scripps has a good quality win there. Um, you know, we, we could see a different order here. We could see Claremont behind Hardin Simmons. Uh, for us, we took Claremont fifth, Hardin Simmons sixth. It'll be interesting to see what the committee does there. Um, and then just rounding out the region, we think Whitworth is a solid seven. Uh, you could maybe have the discussion again with Whitman, but there was a two and zero head to head in Whitworth's favor. Also a fairly significant strength of schedule advantage there. So I think we were good with the Pirates staying in at number seven. And Whitworth also picks up the win over originally ranked opponent 
by beating Elmhurst earlier yes. earlier this year. So yeah, again, just similar discussions we had that for that last spot last uh, last week between Whitman and Whitworth, but really played out very similarly. Uh, I think you know in hindsight, Matt, I think you said that maybe the head-to-head didn't even really matter just because of the strength of schedule advantage that Whitworth had that alone. They may have just been in based on that. Uh, but yeah, there's when you break it down, there's really no question that Whitworth takes that last spot ahead of Whitman. Yeah, and the only other thing would be, do you want to have the Redlands discussion with Whitworth? Um, I think we decided we didn't really, but there's 34 points of strength of schedule and about 80 or 81 points of winning percentage. So that's maybe in line with what we've seen compared previously. Uh, Redlands does have two wins versus regionally ranked. They also have seven losses. So I don't really know that they overcome Whitworth at the end of the day, um, especially if you're having to go all the way down to a 591 winning percentage. I would expect Redlands to, to stay out. We also saw last week that they were not not ranked. So uh, I don't th- see any reason to, to put Redlands in at this point. Well, and also if we hear that, you know, your winning percentage gets you to the table for discussion, you know, it's kind of a, a tough yeah. Yeah. thing to, to look at Redlands there, sub 600 winning percentage, and to say that that's yeah. enough to, to bring them into the discussion right. at this point. Yep, that's true. All right, that's so the regions. Go. Those are the 10 regions. So, Zach, that brings us to our pick slate recap. Here's our games from last week, uh, running down the picks here. First game was DeSales at Stevens. DeSales was slight road favorites. We both went with Stevens, uh, but DeSales covered that spread, and we both missed the pick. Uh, John Carroll was four-point favorites at Mount Union. They won by eight. We both got that pick. Uh, moving on to CCIW play, Elmhurst was one-and-a-half-point underdogs in the road at Illinois Wesleyan. They won that game uh, handily by 12. Illinois Wesleyan gets the point. Zach, you get that one. Why do you hate the Titans, Matt? Next is Wash U at Emory. Wash U was six-and-a-half-point underdogs. We thought that was too large of a spread. It was not quite large enough. Emory wins that game by 13. We missed that pick. And then our D3 Datacast game of the week, the big game that everyone was talking about this past week for sure was Trinity at Tufts five and a half point spread uh, we thought Zach that that was going to be too big for a, a a big NESCAC showdown like this between two heavyweights in that conference but Trinity handled Tufts got the 82-66 win we both missed that one so here's our recap of the week and Zach you went two and three I only went one and four so I drop a game on you in my chase I'm still two games back you're in the lead how do you feel Feel great. It was getting close there, Matt. You had the lead cut down to one. So I was glad that if I'm going to suffer a two and three week, that at least you were one and four. I gained that game back. Still one possession uh, game here. Contest, Zach. Uh, We're getting towards the end. I might start fouling. How are you at free throws? Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, let's see how many freebies we get this week. Here's our pick slate. Uh, The game number one, Mount Union. Three-point favorites at Marietta. Going down to Texas, Trinity, Texas, three-point favorites at St. Thomas, a couple of road favorites to start us off. Uh, In the NCAC, Worcester is even. They're going to be at Wabash. Uh, And then a big one out in California, Pomona Pitzer, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at Cal Lutheran. And then our D3 Datacast Game of the Week, Zach, a chance for you to redeem ourselves, uh, redeem yourself. It's Calvin at Trine, four-point underdogs for Calvin, Depending on what the teams do on Wednesday, this could be a chance for them to maybe split a championship if Calvin can get a win. So let's go back to the top and make our picks. Mount Union and Marietta. The computer has a three-point line. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in this game other than I'm convinced it's going to overtime. I don't know if anyone plays as many overtime games as Marietta. Unfortunately, they seem like a team that can just never get over the hump, but I'll go with a road dog here. Give me the three points to, to work with. I will go Pioneers. All right. Um, I am going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Mount Union. Um, I've just seen Mount Marietta struggle recently. I feel like Mount Union's maybe playing a little bit better than them. I know it's three points. I know it's on the road. The banjo is a tough place to play, but I think that Mount Union gets this done and maybe by uh, maybe by five or so. Um, Down in Texas, Trinity three point computer favorite St. Thomas. Who do you like? I like Trinity in this one, Matthew. They will have revenge on their mind having lost at home to St. Thomas earlier in the year and I happen to know that Trinity is a team that keeps an eye on the national picture they they know what what is at stake uh here heading down the stretch give me the tigers 
All right, I'm also going to go with the Trinity Tigers. I think they're going to get it done with St. Thomas. They did have a close one with Colorado College on Sunday that maybe um, you know could have gone either way. That's a tough conference. There's a lot of tough games. Um, I think Trinity gets it done on the road. They're the SCAC champs after all. Uh, going down to the NCAC, Zach Worcester and Wabash. Even, it's a pick em. Who do you like? A pick em game in conference play. Give me the home team every time. All right. Giants. This is going to be another one that we're going to go opposite sides of. I'm going to take Worcester. Um, I think their Scots are playing really well right now. I think that they can smell um, smell that NCAC championship maybe coming if they can get some big wins. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the Scots do. Uh, but I think I think they can win this game even on the road. Going out to California next, Pomona and Cal Lutheran. Big spread, kind of a big spread here. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, it's the spread that gives me a little pause, Matt. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going to be a little bit too afraid to lay it. I really like Cal Lou. I think they've proven themselves to be the class of the conference out there. But six and a half points to work with here. Give me the Pitzer. Yeah, I really I really like Cal Lou as well. Um, as a team, but I think in a game like this, I think I think it maybe just stays close. Pomona Pitzer playing maybe for their tournament lives. I think they need a win like this to kind of keep in the mix there, the bubble mix, if they cannot win the Skyac Pool C. So I think they have a lot of motivation. I'm going to go with the Pitzer as well, uh, mostly because I think that spread's a little bit too large. And then we're going to go to the game of the week being held down in Angola, Indiana. Computer likes trying by four. Zach, but what do you think? I like Kelvin in this one, Matthew. Give me the Knights. You mentioned the possible implications for the conference race. Uh, this would also be a great uh, great win to add to an already pretty good national tournament resume for Kelvin. Matt, give me the Knights. Yeah, Zach, it might be no surprise to you that I'm going to go with our hometown Calvin Knights as well. This is going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. I think this was a one-possession game at Calvin that Trine won earlier in the season. Um, I do I do feel like Calvin can compete with Trine um, very okay. well. Uh, so we'll see what happens down in Angola. But I think I think they can definitely keep it within four. Maybe Calvin can win this one outright. We'll have to see. Uh, Trine did drop that game to Olivet this week. So they're looking vulnerable, and that opened the door for Calvin to maybe split a championship with them if they both take care of business on Wednesday. That's the picks. I think we have a mailbag. Do we have a mailbag? We do have a mailbag, Matt. This was a fun one to get, look to dig into a little bit here from JR. With Randolph, Macon, Hampton, Sydney, and Guilford all in the top 10, when is the last time a single conference had three top 10 teams in the same conference tournament? Now, Matt, Guilford this past week dropped a game. Maybe their hold on a top 10 spot is in doubt, but we will see. So what I did to answer this question, I dug into the d3hoops.com top 25 archives, and the question was specifically asking about heading into a conference tournament. So we get you know the final poll, we get the second-to-last poll, which is after regular season play. So I went to the third-to-last poll, going through the full d3hoops.com tenure, which, ranks, uh, which stretches from 1999-2000 season until today. And Matt, I was actually a little bit surprised to find out you don't have to go back very far to find out yeah. the last time this happens during the... Uh, 21-22 season, the WIAC had three top 10 teams heading into conference tournament play there with Oshkosh, Platteville, and UW Lacrosse. Um, it's happened a total of four times. Uh, before that 21-22 season, there was the 2012-13 season. The NESCAC had Amherst, Middlebury, and Williams all in the top 10. 2010-11, the NESCAC did it again with the, the same three teams, Williams, Middlebury, and Amherst. And then the WIAC, Matt, again, 2008-2009, did it for the first time. There we had Platteville, Stevens Point, and Whitewater all in the top 10, heading into current, to uh, conference tournament play. So yeah. four times. When I saw this question come in, and Jay did submit that before Guilford ended up dropping their game, um, but I immediately thought of the WIAC 2022 maybe having that chance. I didn't remember if lacrosse was just above the line or just below the line, but I remember Platteville and Oshkosh yeah. were definitely ranked very high that, that year. Sure. Um, so I thought that one that one had a chance, and good to see it did. So interesting question, yeah, and not surprising that NESCAC and WIAC are maybe two of the teams that have done it. ODAC, another team of that of that ilk. Obviously, UAA can't can't be an answer here because they don't have a tournament. But they would still participate in the poll. Well, at this yeah, time. yeah, so yeah, right, right. They don't have a conference tournament, yeah. All right, so that that's it for the mailbag, Matt. Just the one question. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to Jr. for. Uh, given us the chance to dig into that one. If you have anything that you'd like to submit for a future mailbag, you can send it to us on social media, uh, drop it as a comment here on this video, and we will tackle it at the end of a future episode. Always, always fun to answer the questions, Matt, that we get directly from listeners and viewers talk about the things they want us to talk about.
Otherwise, we just talk about what we want to talk about. All right, Matt, that wraps up this week's episode. We need to wrap it up with a big thank you to everyone who has supported us on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash d3datacast for all the information on what that's all about, how you can dive in at a deeper level and support the work that we do. We uh, appreciate everyone who's been along with us uh, during the season here and and, uh, honored to have added to the ranks here, Matt, it seems like with each passing week. Yeah, just um, a fun mix of people who've partnered with us and supported us on Patreon. It's D3 fans, it's D3 parents, it's D3 coaches, it's former D3 players who are you know still playing professionally and abroad. Uh, a lot of people love D- Division Three basketball. A lot of people love D3 hoops. We we do what we do because we love the game as well. We love the level. We like to support it. We like to talk about it. Uh, so just appreciation for everyone else that has shared with us. If you're interested in um, joining us on Patreon as well, keeping the site ad-free, d3datacast.com. You can get information there or patreon.com slash d3datacast. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to those regional rankings on Tuesday, Zach. See how many we got right this week. Um, but we're looking forward to that. Good job, team.